So we are in this series where we are seeking after uh, the wisdom of God, uh, and we are doing that by trying to look into some of the Proverbs, uh, what the Proverbs say, and my hope is that we are able to take some of these Proverbs, kind of internalize them. Uh, the scripture says that we are to write Scripture, we're to write it like a tablet on our heart, uh, so that that we are able to go into the world and as things happen, we think about what the wisdom of God says. Uh, and we have been looking at different Proverbs. Uh, one proverb said that uh, we are to not conceal our sins. We are to confess our sins. And when we do, God promises us what? What? Mercy. That's right. God promises us mercy. So we're able to stop and internalize that, to be able to stop and think, okay, it's better for me. Uh, to confess my sin because that allows me to receive the mercy of God. Uh, it says that we are to trust God with our whole heart. We're not to lean in our own understanding. Uh, we're to seek his will in all we do. And what does God promise that he will do? He will show us our paths, right? He'll show us where to go, what to do. We're to commit our actions to the Lord and our plans will prosper. Last week, we looked and talked about the tongue, the power of the words that we say and how the tongue uh, brings death or brings life, and that those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Now, well, here's the thing I noticed, good or bad. So we've been giving y'all cards to put on your rings for you to take home and pick up. Last week, nobody picked up the cards about the tongue. I thought that was extremely interesting. Uh, I, I love to think about people, what, but we've been picking up our cars, but when it comes to the one, oh good, there you go. When it comes to the one about, okay, the tongue has, what we have to watch what we say in every useless word, that we, we struggle with that. So I just encourage you today as you leave, if you didn't pick up week four, get week four too, and we're gonna be talking about our proverb uh, in, in just a moment. So before we get to that though, what I want us to do is kind of think about one of the people in scripture that we see, which is the person of Samson. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Judges chapter 14. We're gonna, we're gonna sit there for a little while, but we'll come back to Proverbs. How many of you know the story of Samson? few people's hands. That's good. All right. So we'll see if maybe we learn a little bit today. Uh, Samson is a guy who was kind of set apart by God. Uh, he was for a particular purpose and he was to try to help uh, those who were oppressed by the Philistines to be delivered. And he was given incredible strength. And so he had great potential on behalf of God. And even though he was somebody who had great potential on behalf of God, he continued to make um, self-destructing decisions over and over and over and over. And I think that is one place that we can relate to the person of Samson, uh, is that we often make decisions, and what we see in his life, and we're going to show that we often make decisions based out of emotions rather than being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, you might stop and go, okay, we're talking about emotions. I'm not a very emotional person. You may look around and go, okay, you know, women may be more emotional than men. That's not true. We may look and go, somebody over here in my family is more emotional. We're all emotional beings. We've all been given emotions by God, and that's not bad. We're just not supposed to be driven by emotions. We're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. And if we were honest... Most of us would say that we have done something in our life driven by emotion that we probably shouldn't have done or driven by emotion we didn't do something that we probably should have done. 
Fair statement? How many of you would say, yep, I have done that? All right, so that's true. It's what allows me when I'm driving down the road, it's what allows me when an 18-wheeler cuts me off, it's what allows me to begin to try to battle with an 18-wheeler in a Kia Soul. Uh, I mean, that's not the wisest decision, uh, but it's emotion that drives us. And I don't know how that plays out for you, um, but many of us have situations to where we let emotions drive our decisions rather than being led by the Spirit. Paul says this in Galatians. Just look at this passage. It'll be on the big screen. It says, I say, be guided by the Spirit, and you won't carry out your selfish desires. A person's selfish desires are set against the Spirit, and the Spirit is set against, each, against one's selfish desires. They are opposed to each other, so you shouldn't do whatever you want to do. The problem for Samson, I believe, was that he allowed his emotions to get the best of him. And so Samson, if you know his story, he pursued a woman who um, was a Philistine. She worshipped uh, different gods than, than he did, even though his parents said, don't go after that woman. He still pursues. And he finds himself kind of in the moment. Um, I kind of equate it to kind of like a bachelor party moment. He was with a bunch of people. They happen to be Philistines, and he begins to kind of taunt them a little bit. And he says, hey, I've got a riddle for you. Do y'all remember this part of the story? He says, I've got a riddle for you. And then he kind of gets caught up even more in the riddle. And he's like, okay, hey, why don't, why don't I give you this riddle? And let's make a bet. And if I lose the bet, I will give you 30, basically 30 sets of clothing, but if you can't figure out the riddle, then you have to give me 30 sets of clothing. Now, you just think about the math of that. Here's one person who has to give 30 sets. If they lose, they only got to come up with one, one per person. Kind of think about the bet that's going on here. And so he gives them this riddle, and here's where I want you to pick up the story. If In, in Judges chapter 14, let's start in verse 13. So they replied to him, Tell your riddle. Let's hear it. He said to them, Out of the eater there came something to eat. Out of the strong there came something sweet. For three days they couldn't tell the answer to the riddle. On the fourth day they said to Samson's wife, Seduce your husband so he'll tell us the answer to the riddle, or else we'll set fire to you and your household. Were we invited here just to become poor? So Samson's wife cried on his shoulder and said, You hate me. You don't love me. You told a riddle to my people, but didn't tell me the answer. He replied to her, look, I haven't even told the answer to my father and mother. Why should I tell it to you? But she cried on his shoulder for the rest of the seven days of the feast. Finally, on the seventh day, he told her the answer, for she had nagged him. And she told her people the answer to the riddle. So on the seventh day, before the sun set, the townspeople said to him, what's sweeter than honey? What's stronger than a lion? He replied to them, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have figured out my riddle. Then the Lord's spirit rushed over him and he went down to Ashkelon. He killed 30 of their men, stripped them of their gear and gave the sets of clothes to the ones who had told the answer to the riddle. In anger, he went back up to his father's household and Samson's wife married one of those who had been his companions. This is the word of God for the people of God. 
What an interesting story, isn't it? I mean, you sit here and look. Now, you got to know something about Samson. So you got to know earlier that he had killed a lion and that the lion had been torn open. And inside the lion was some honey. And you have to know that he had promised to never touch anything dead. But yet he saw the honey, he reached in and he scooped the honey out. So when he makes this riddle out of the eater, something to eat, out of the strong, something sweet, he's talking about the lion and the honey. He's talking about that part of the story. So what happens is these people that he's kind of tricked with the riddle, they're like, okay, they go to the wife and they say, hey, or the wife-to-be, they go to the wife-to-be and say, look, get it out of him because we don't know how to to figure out what it is they're going to say. And and if you don't do that, we're going to like burn your whole family up. And so she turns to emotions. She turns and begins to try to to cry and to find out what the answer is. And he's like, I haven't even told anybody the answer to this riddle. And eventually he tells her and she goes and tells the other people they figure it out. And he's furious. He's furious because they now know their answer. And so he goes and he kills 30 innocent people in order to be able to get the 30 sets of clothing that he had promised them to have. And then he realizes, and you can not like the language of the scripture, but he's like, you messed with my wife, otherwise you wouldn't have figured it out. I even heard people snicker when when you read that part of the scripture. And it's funny to a degree, but the reality is what we see is we see Samson caving in time after time after time to his emotion. He's driven by emotion. He falls victims, victim to two sets of emotions that I think that we can relate to. One is anger. It says that he burned with anger. He was furious with anger. So he went down, it says, and he killed 30 different people in order to be able to get that clothing. And then it says, burning with anger, he went to his father's house. And when he gets there, the woman that he had wanted to marry had been given to someone else. And we stop and we go, okay, wait a minute, that's weird. But in that culture, it would have made sense. I mean, the hospitality was so important. And so in that moment, here's the, he, he'd left. He'd gone off to, get the, to kill the people. They didn't know that. And so here they were with the bride, ready. And they're like, okay, a marriage needs to happen. And so in that culture in that day, that would have made sense for that to happen. And so Samson comes back already angry. And if you go and continue to read his story, it says that he uh, gathered up foxes. He tied their tails together. He put torches in between their tails and he sent them off into the fields. Now, what do you think happened in the fields when these foxes are running crazy with a torch burning between their tails? Burned everything. Burned all of the crops, all of the fields. So out of his anger, he burns everything. So now how do you think the Philistines reacted? Think they were happy? No. They were furious. So they went and burned the woman and her family. You see the cost that we see when we react out of emotion? You can see that in Samson's story. See, the challenge for us is that anger is most of our negative default emotion. That, that's just our negative. 
If somebody embarrasses me, my first reaction is probably to get angry that someone embarrassed me. If I stump my toe on the recliner, my first reaction is to probably be angry at the chair as if it moved, right? We kick the chair. We're upset. It's our negative default emotion. What, what was Samson angry about? Think about this. He pursued the woman that they told him not to pursue. He got caught up in the emotion and created the riddle. He knew, the only one who knew the answer to the riddle. And yet he told the woman the answer to the riddle. He went and killed the 30 people for the clothes. He tied the foxes together and put the torches in and put them into the fields and burned everything. See, Samson's a great example for us of somebody who is angry at life and angry at the world when a lot of their struggle was decisions that he'd made along the way. And we don't like to hear it. But the reality is so many times we're angry at life when maybe we have to stop and think about the decisions that have led to that point, right? I know people who are angry at their job, angry at their boss, but they knew two years ago that they should have quit their job. We have to stop and use the wisdom of God to stop and challenge us to think about how we are letting emotions drive us. Are you letting emotions drive you or are you letting the Holy Spirit drive you? We're not supposed to be driven by emotions. We give God praise for the emotions. We understand the emotions, but we're to be driven by the Holy Spirit. My hope is that there are somebody, there's somebody in the room today who stops and can acknowledge that anger is an issue for them. And our response is to ask for forgiveness. God, I, I don't know how to be led by the Spirit, but I want to be led by the Spirit. I'm being driven by my emotions. And we can turn that over to God. Maybe we can stop and acknowledge there's somebody in the room that maybe needs to stop and go, you know what, I need to apologize to my children for some of the words that I said as they were growing up. Maybe I need to apologize to my spouse. Maybe I need to apologize to my parents for the way that I treated them. We got to deal with the emotion of anger. So that's one thing that I see that Samson's story teaches us. The second I would say is that Samson was filled with pride. He's still dealing with his anger, but he is filled with pride. In verse 15, it says that God gives him power, that the Spirit comes upon him again. And it says that he finds the, the jawbone of a donkey. And what does he do with the jawbone of the donkey? Anybody know? He goes and kills a thousand people. Empower, I mean, 
God says his spirit comes on him and he goes and kills a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey. And here's where I think the story begins to show us his pride is when he does that, who does he give credit to? Himself. Look at what it says in in, uh, Judges verse 16. It says, Samson said with a donkey's jawbone, stacks on stacks, with a donkey's jawbone, I've killed 1,000 men. What we see in this moment is a rare sense where we're able to see somebody with, with pride take credit for something that was done in the power of God. We think, well, look at what I did. Look how good I am. And the reality is, like most of us, in Samson, pride surfaces out of insecurities. When we're not sure of our true identity, we're not able to really gain our true identity in Christ. Pride is the first emotion that takes over. And it's the first emotion that begins to take us down. Scripture is consistent that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, right? It says that pride comes before the fall, that we need to check ourselves when we think about pride. Now, why do you think that pride is a problem for us? And my suggestion to you or my argument would be to you is because we have made life about us. I've made life about me. Many of you have made life about you. We want to be the center of the story. And you may not like to hear that this morning, but you were never meant to be the center of the story. I was never meant to be the center of the story. God is always the main character in the story. It's all about God. Yes, we're important to God. We are of value to God. God created us, but God was always supposed to be the main character in the story. And when we understand that God is the main character in the story, then we can, we can allow emotions to be what they are as a gift from God, but we don't have to be driven by our emotions. And so then we can live into the passage that Paul says where we don't gratify our fleshly desires. They're not in conflict with that because the fleshly desires are in conflict with the Spirit. We are called as people of God to be led by the Spirit. And so if you are continually driven by emotions, we are going to find ourselves in a situation much like Samson. We are to be led by our Holy Spirit. And so what we have to stop and do is to look at our own lives and think about where we are. I mean, so the reality is some of us, we have allowed pride to take over. I told the men's group on Tuesday morning, there, there are times where I say something that I shouldn't say to my wife. And I know that I should go into the other room and apologize. But I don't. Why? Pride, right? I don't go in and apologize. I say, I'm going to let her stew just a little bit. Uh, But it is pride that takes over. We have to be able to stop and realize 
That's not the emotion that God wants to let drive us. We are to be driven by the Holy Spirit. And we often stop and think about, well, I've done this. There's no way to recover from this. I've treated this person poorly, and so there's no way that I can regain their trust or I can regain that relationship. And I want you to hear something. Samson's story teaches us something extremely important. When you come to your place of greatest need and you give it to God, God will meet you and meet your greatest need. Samson's story, it not only teaches us about not driving with emotions, but it also teaches us how we are to turn to God at our greatest point in need. Look at what he says. Uh, This is in verse 18 and verse 19. Now, remember, he's killed a thousand people. He believes he is the public enemy number one and that he's literally going to die in the desert because nobody is going to want to be anywhere near Samson. And look what he says. Now, Samson was very thirsty, so he called out to the Lord. You are the one who allowed this great victory to be accomplished by your servant's hands. So here we can see he's no longer, he's no longer full of pride. He is, he's at a point of humility. Am I now going to die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Now listen, so God split open the hollow rock in Lehi and water flowed out of it. I mean, you just saw a miracle. When Samson drank, his energy returned and he was recharged. When you meet God, you give God your greatest need and God meets you at your greatest need. You're able to be the person God created you to be. You're able to have life again. You're able to re-recharge. You're able to be strengthened. But it's not your strength. It's the strength of the Holy Spirit. Samson's story teaches us so much about not being driven by our emotions, but also turning to God in our greatest point in need. And so I ask you this morning, what's your need? What's your greatest need before God? See, another way that we have pride is... We don't acknowledge our need. I can't tell you how many people, well, I, I don't need any help. Would you want us to send a meal? No, I, I, don't, I don't need a meal. We don't want to acknowledge the need that we have. Is that out of pride? Scripture is very, very clear. The wisdom of God teaches us that we are to be led by the Holy Spirit. And it's not an attitude of anger. It's not an attitude of pride. But I would argue to you it's an attitude of humility. Let me share with you in Proverbs, a proverb for the day. And my hope is, is as you study, you internalize, you read this, you will always think of Samson. In Proverbs 11, verse 2, it says this, Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Y'all read that with me. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Let's pray. Most gracious God, we, we thank you. We thank you that in the midst of this place that we are able to Acknowledge when we let emotions take over. 
when we drive ourselves with anger and pride. And I pray, Lord, that in this moment, any of us who struggle, that we can acknowledge our greatest need and we can have assurance, trust, certainty that you will meet us, that you will meet us at our greatest need. Lord, we thank you for the emotions that you give us. We pray, God, that we're able to to not be driven by them. Help us to not be people who are prideful, but help each and every one of us take on the humble attitude of Jesus Christ. Move in us. Lord, I pray for that person today who may be here that has fought with anger issues their whole entire life. Pour your Holy Spirit into them. Recharge them, renew them, strengthen them. And let them be different. I pray for the person today who is proud. And I pray, Lord, that in this moment, they are simply able to cry out to you. We give you praise. We give you glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray.